Welcome to Get on the Blunderbuss, where we go on a journey into leadership failure. My name is Edward Vaughan. Join me as I travel far and wide on my special bus, the Blunderbuss, and have honest conversations with great leaders about some of their greatest leadership disasters. On the Blunderbuss, we think it's possible to learn much more from your moments of failure than your moments of success, if you know the magic secret. We also know that failure can be fun, especially other people's. We'll be hearing about some great boofhead moments where practitioners provide us with the pleasure of hearing about how they did all the dumb things and the leadership lesson they took out of it. As I drive around on the blunderbuss, I'm on the search for the leader who has done more dumb things than I have. Could today be the day when we have found them? Uh, so today, I've um, driven the blunderbuss all the way over to Ramwick uh, to Sydney Children's Hospital, and I'm speaking to Angus Gray. Pediatric Orthopaedic Surgeon at Sydney Children's Hospital and Senior Examiner for the College of Surgeons. Angus, welcome onto the bus. Thanks, Ed. Yeah. How much does it cost? What's the, <laughs> what's the ticket? So much. <laughs> it's the pain. It's the, I'm feeling it. It is the price that you pay. Angus, you actually work in an area where um, uh, the price of mistakes is actually very high. Yeah. So I do, I do pediatric orthopaedics, which is... Bones and joints in little kids, and my thing is spine surgery for kids with bent backs, and that's a pretty something of a minefield at times. So yeah, that's um, yeah, the cost of mistakes are high, and so that's a pretty um, we all have to tread carefully. So it's a, a tight team we have, uh, really well trained, and about ten people in surgery with me every Friday. So it's uh, um, that's um, disasters are. Disasters are close are close by, but rarely happen. If you know what I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, I say to someone before, we, we swim in dangerous waters in 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 surgery or medicine in general, but in spinal surgery, uh, the price of failure is really high. Yeah, yeah. It so is. yeah, that that does focus one's mind. And part of your role is to lead a team, to manage a team of other people. So you want to tell us about your uh, your your area of leadership failure. So. Um, Orthopedics and surgery in general is a very much an apprenticeship model. So we have we have people that join our 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 term um, for six months. Every you know, we get two two groups coming through per year, and they spend um, six months with us. And most of them aren't stupid enough to do pediatric spinal surgery as a specialty, but they come to learn those skills and other things. And um, and um, we take people under our ring, and we like to think at our kids' hospital we're very uh, a very cohesive and supportive group for um, for registrars and trainees, um, and we have that reputation. We teach well, we look after our team well, uh, and we like to think of ourselves as a bit of a tribe. And we we make sure we try to make sure that people really like to be part of our team. So uh, that's our reputation, and that's my reputation. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm seen as a as, a, as an unpleasant person, mm. try and keep things really light. We do operations that can last ten hours, and we try and have music and and enjoyment. And so people, it's a it's a it's a serious place, but we try and make it pleasant as much as possible. So that's the that's the environment which we at least I try to create. And so the one the the problem I wanted to talk about was when when I really failed. I think as um, as the leader I wanted to be the the mentor, the teacher. And it was an episode about two years ago now. I was on call. It was a Thursday night. And um, 
I normally are very paranoid about being on call. I have my phone on, it's like, you know, the volume's up, all that sort of stuff, make sure it's fully charged before I go to bed. And anyway, um, it was a quiet night and um, I drove into work the next morning and one of my other consultants um, rang me and said, look, uh, I had to come in at midnight last night because they couldn't find you. And that's never happened before. And I was really, uh, really embarrassed and upset and grateful to him for for sorting something out, which was a, was a kid with a busted arm. It wasn't a tra- tragedy and probably could have waited until the morning, but nevertheless, he'd made the judgment. It was important. So got to work and we have a meeting at 7.30 in the morning. It goes for an hour and it's a patient, patient presentation. So there's about 40 people in the room. That All the consultants in the suits are down the front and all the junior people sort of in a hierarchy going back to medical students right at the back. So it's a big audience and um, it's teaching. And um, a patient gets presented by one of the registrars and we ask them about what they think is going on, what the solution to the problem would be, and we go around the room talking about the um, the solution to the problem. Anyway, big thing. And at the end of that, um, I turn around to the registrar and I said, you know, what what went on? Oh, you know, I tried to ring you. It was 10.30 and you didn't answer your phone. So I rang one of the other consultants and he'd just got home from surgery and he was really tired and he told me to keep trying you and I tried you again and you didn't answer the phone. So I rang up another consultant because he was a young guy and I knew he wouldn't, you know, give me any uh, pushback. And the young consultant sort of said, sure, I'll come in and came in and fix the, fix the thing, which took, took about an hour of this guy's, the consultant's time, you know, it's, and there's a real hierarchy about rules about on call and my responsibility is to be contactable. The registrar's responsibility is to contact me. Yeah. And um, I don't know what was going on with my mobile phone, but I've got a, a home online, you know, Land. a landline, um, and I uh, didn't use it. So I, I got kind of, kind of defensive. I think there was a lot of guilt going on here that I, sh- I should have, whatever happened last night was my fault that I should have been, uh, you know, should have checked stuff. But I got, uh, you know. This guy, I don't think he'd used much, much um, initiative. And I said, look, you know, that, you know, you could have done this differently. And he kind of looked at me and just slumped and looked like a victim. And it just pushed a button in me. It really triggered me. And I yelled at him. And I said, you know, that is, you use bad judgment. And this is in front of 40 people. And I I realized as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, no, you know, because I, one of my, one of my, one of my ideals is to praise in public and, and criticise in private. And I just went at him. But he kind of just pushed one of my buttons as a leader that gets me. And one of them is insolence, like people not respecting me or just giving, being, being snide. And the other one was being a victim. Mm. You, know, you know, I'd trained in an era when you were, it was hard work. And no matter if anything went wrong, it was your fault. And no matter what the problem was, you said, yep, sorry, my fault. Make sure it never happens again. And so that was the situation. And I really felt bad and everyone took a breath in. You could hear the room go very quiet because I don't, I'm not, I don't lose it. I don't lose it very often. And that was, I can't remember being that angry at work, that publicly and attacking a guy, which he could have done his job better, but so could have I. But I, it, and I had to reflect on it thinking, why? What is it about me that and him 
that triggered that yeah, yeah. That, 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 that response. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was it? I think embarrassment. Yes. Probably. I hate being on call. It's for <laughs> I, I hate being on call. Worst part of the job. Embarrassment about about uh, it's a very public failure for me. Ooh, you know, you didn't answer your phone, mate. Right. Okay. Now, fortunately, we've got a great department which is very collegiate, and so someone was always going to step in. And I've done I've done it for people in the past, but I think that embarrassment about it, the guy not being sensible, you know, not trying hard, you know, a generation whatever he was, a millennial, one of them types. That I uh, think that there's no such thing as a landline, you know, yeah, and right. so you know, and I tell the registrars if we if you can't find me at ten thirty, we give this talk every every time the team changes, every six months. If you can't find me at ten, one of us at ten thirty at night, we're not out clubbing. We're not. <laughs> we'll be at home on a landline. You go keep trying. Anyway, so there was that. Um, there was that. I guess the irritation that this guy hadn't. He'd been really passive, and instead of trying to pursue what I would have pursued finding the boss and working hard for it, making some sensible decisions, he became a real, you know, he, he just was trying to cast in it further for help rather than take responsibility. And, and then for me, it was that, it was that, it was that I was really embarrassed by the loss of control I showed about that, about that, his response to my um, pointed, but I think reasonable um, criticism of him. And I, I still don't know. I mean, I, you know, why am I? Why? Why don't I like insolence? Maybe that's a reflection of being a bit insecure. Yeah, right. You know, uh, I, I don't know. So, what did you learn out of this? Well, I, I, <laughs> I apologised to him the early the next week. So it was a it was a Friday, and I was operating all day. And, but but he looked really crestfallen, and I thought, oh, you know, that was a bad, bad response on my part. So I, I, I found him out the next week and I apologised to him and he you know and it was all resolved. So that's the first thing. Um, I think maintaining control of yourself in situations where you are angry um, and um, and you know I, I don't know it was one of those maybe it was a confluence of things tired stressed I just can't remember the the the, the things but I think just being making sure that you are. You've got you're maintaining a, a scrutiny of yourself and your behaviour, particularly in public and as a leader. The standards the standards are higher. People expect more. Yeah. And if you don't behave, and I've we've we have all worked for leaders who you want to emulate, or you never want to be like them. Yeah. And and I I, I guess it was a failure of what got me was that failure of um, of my own standards, and. What I've taken, I mean, the apology was, I think, a good thing to do, and I really sought him out to do that. Um, long term, um, I think, yes, just thinking a bit long before you before I speak, particularly when I'm being more aware of the things that get me going. Yes. There's a thing in medicine called an action potential where a nerve, a, a signal goes down a nerve, and the, the nerve kind of gets ready, ready, and then bang, it's, it fires a signal, like a really steep spike, and yeah. and... There are some things that are action potential anger points for me, right. and working on being aware of those things, and working on them, and trying to be, you know, um, taking you know little internal count yes. before I um, speak. Okay. I think would be the what what I've taken away from this: just being more careful the way I speak and more aware of my feelings when I do it. Okay. And final question, Angus: How do you see failure now? It's part of the gig, right? You know, um, so failure is failure, technical failure, 
Um, you know, I tell I tell patients I'm operating on their spine. Your daughter has, or daughter or son has a one in three hundred to one in five thousand chance of becoming paraplegic. That's enough to get your attention. One in two hundred thousand chance of dying under the anaesthetic. One percent chance of infection. So these these are these are stats that kind of don't actually mean much to an individual case. But when disaster happens, you sort of go back to those stats and go, yeah, well, it was only a matter of time. Yeah. So that sort of the the, the technical stuff uh, is that's the that's the risk. Um, and I've been blessed that I haven't had more than my fair share of disasters complications. Um, and in terms of um, personal stuff um i guess being human interactions are much more complicated than operating on a spine in a way because it's a it's a bit of a dialogue and um there's all that just there's so many opportunities for misunderstanding so i think being being gentle with yourself being gentle with others being aware of of what situation you're at any time and try to try to um for me it's being, I want to be known as a Christian at work, and I want to be known by be by, be judged by higher standards. I'm not the guy that's going to yell unreasonably usually. So I think there's always that for me the undercurrent of being um, better and wiser because of a because of that that core faith, and yeah. so that keeps me grounded. Um, but also, I'm, I know that I'm observed because I. People know my faith at work, and that could be good or bad. You know, it's a higher standard to which I'm held. Thank you to <laughs> Angus Gray for sharing about one of his great leadership mistakes and what he's learned. At the St. Michael's Institute, our promise to you is that we can help you do more dumb things because we can help you take more risks and learn from what you're doing. Go to our website at www.stmichaels.institute where we can teach you how to fail better. Thanks, Angus, and see you next time. Pleasure, Ed. Thank you. Next time? Won't be a next time. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs>